Welcome back to the Loose and Conversational Podcast, everyone. My name is David, and along with co-star Jen, we sit down weekly over a few drinks with friends, old and new, to talk about whatever. Ten episodes ago, we pledged to keep politics out of our podcast. We felt there were other podcasts out there that already talked about politics, and we didn't want to create any division or have arguments. Well, maybe we'll do it just this once. As the sun sets on old Donald Trump, we wanted to talk to someone that supports the old sod. We ended up with a somewhat amicable discussion about not just Donald Trump, but maybe the death of conservatism in North America. Hope you enjoy the podcast, everybody. Welcome to the Loose and Conversational Podcast. This is uh, going to be a fun podcast. I'm not exactly sure what's going to happen. <laughs> Early in our first couple, we said we didn't ever want to talk about anything political. That's kind of still true. We don't, we don't really want to create division amongst people. But now we're recording this on January 16th, four days before Trump is replaced by uh, Sleepy Joe Biden. <laughs> and we have somebody here who's a Trump supporter. And we really, really want to get perspectives. So we're going to talk a little bit about what makes a Trump supporter tick and hopefully have this out before uh, it becomes irrelevant. <laughs> so Jen, introduce everybody that's over there. So I'm sitting alone again. This is actually, I think, the last of the closet series of podcasts. We're going to try something next week for the big uh, OnlyFans episode where I'm going to get to come out of the closet. <laughs> Jen has, uh, so these people are all in your bubble. Yeah, they're in my bubble, my cohort, uh, since really the beginning. So, um, and this is uh, a family member, is Zach. Uh, and then my sister is here as well, who's a political science uh, degree holder, which you should know, David, is an accomplishment. Yeah, I'm, not a I'm, not a I'm not a degree holder. I went for two years for political science. Yeah, you're a dropout. Yeah. <laughs> you know a lot of political science people, Jen, because uh, what's her name there? What's the other lady? You have to be more specific. Your friend who's also in HR. I can't oh, remember. Monica? You know I'm so bad. Monica? Monica. Yeah, Monica's also got a political science degree. And uh, this is why I never finished my political science degree. I was in it. I took it for, I was in pre-law. And then a very sad story. I realized I was never going to be able to go to law school. So I dropped out. Alyssa, what are you doing with your political science degree? <laughs> it's COVID. Yeah. So I just graduated. <laughs> <laughs> Monica yeah. turned it into a career in HR. So maybe Alyssa will too. No, I want to go more to like the law. I think I just don't have the grades to get into law school. So yeah, that's the, yeah. I remember the pain. I had that yeah. too. Yeah. So we'll see. We'll but see. Alyssa didn't drop out. So <laughs> I did. <laughs> All right. So, yeah. okay, so we've got, and there's another person around there, or, or are they gone? Well, she's, yeah, she's in the background. Alexis, which is Zach's girlfriend. But she can't oh, hear us, the poor girl. Zach so. brought his girlfriend. Oh, so yeah. she has no idea what's going on. Not really. She can hear us, and that's about it, yeah. yeah. Everybody turn and look at her, and then turn and look away. <laughs> it was as awkward as you expected. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so, I've got so a, Zach... Yeah, I've got a family of Trump lovers, and Zach is one of the ones who's willing to have a good discussion about it. And we actually started... You, have a, you have a family of them. I do. <laughs> My husband is also a Trump supporter, although far less... Uh, far less... Uh, Vocal? Vocal, yeah. No, I, I don't know vocal, but shy or like he's yeah. not as, is, yeah. Anyway, Zach is a great conversationalist. Um, so I think he'll be a good guest for us here. Yeah. So take it okay, away. great. So tell us a little bit about yourself and why, uh, I guess, why you're a Trump supporter. 
My name's Zach. I am an apprentice pipe fitter. I work uh, all over Alberta. But I would say I'm a Trump supporter because a lot of his economic stuff is what I agree with. And I agree with like protecting your borders and a lot of that stuff. And I, I pulling out of needless wars and creating peace deals. I, I believe there's a lot of good in that. Okay. Well, I'll leave if there's any arguing be doing. I'll, Alyssa has the degree, so I'll let her argue with you. <laughs> I, I think at the beginning, let's all just give uh, maybe a few seconds and state our positions. Uh, and I'll go first because uh, I'm talking. <laughs> I don't disagree with you in a lot of things, right? I, I think that the whole question around Donald Trump and whether he's, I don't know if good is the word, but whether the good outweighs the bad, maybe. He's very polarizing. Yeah. I'm just going to say something because I'll, I'll start the arguments right now. I think the polarizing started a long time ago and a long, long before Donald Trump. And I think that other people in the positions and other people in media created the polarizing climate, if you will, that allowed Donald Trump to thrive. I think blaming Donald Trump for a lot of the division, you know, is a little bit like blaming the Chinese for COVID. No, I'm just kidding. That's nothing like that at all. It's, it's disingenuous, I guess, because he didn't create the division. He's just thrived because of it. Mm -hmm. I agree. I, I think he's done, you know, what he's done with China, what he's done with renegotiating NAFTA, and what he's done with putting the United States on a little bit of a better footing. I'm not an expert in this, but I look at what he's done, and I think he's done great. You know, when Obama left office, one of the biggest concerns was a war with North Korea. We don't talk about war with North Korea anymore, mm -hmm. right? Like, he's, I don't think he's fixed that. I think he's had the wool pulled over his eyes, but but it's he's handled that kind of thing. Now, the flip side of it is there's obviously, you know, the man arguably just committed uh, sedition <laughs> as mm -hmm. a sitting president, right? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So there is this other side where obviously he's not an ideal leader and a lot of his personality and his shortcomings really shine through and overshadow some of his accomplishments. So as somebody who is a supporter of Donald Trump, I guess one of the early questions we would ask is, how do you look past his shortcomings? How do you reconcile that? Yeah. I know. I, I think it's very difficult to recon reconcile something like that. He is, he lacks empathy and uh, he, he isn't very good at bringing. There's nothing wrong with lacking empathy. David well, has to, 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 <laughs> to a point, but I think, I mean, if, I think if you would have been more empathetic with the whole COVID situation, I think he probably could have put himself back in a position to win the election. 100%. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And even if it's not empathetic, if he was more effective with COVID, he would 100% yeah. have had a 100% agree. Well, and David and I had a conversation before the election, and I mean, David was pretty convinced he was going to win. Um, so was I. I think a lot of people were. I was just hopeful he wouldn't, but had was fully prepared for him to actually win, right? And I think I think two things. I think, one, he didn't handle COVID as effectively and empathetically as he should have. And two, I think he spent too much time pandering to the extremists. And if I think if he had just dialed it back just a little mm -hmm. bit, he would have gotten more votes. And I think, but it was just, he was, I think he's sort of that egomaniac leader who wants the applause and who wants that, you know, audience. And so I think he really pandered towards them, which I think in the end is what cost him the election. He was doing what Donald Trump would do. That's yeah, just how he acts. For sure. I mean, I think anybody that level that wants to run a country, I think they all have an ego. Yeah, for sure. And I just think Trump has a problem separating the two. Yeah. Like being a politician and his ego. Yeah. And how he was in his prior life as a celebrity. Yeah. I mean, he can't handle himself like that. Well, I don't think you could argue that any politician is really in it for the people. Like, I think most of them are in it for the power. They're in it for the prestige. Like, I don't think, I can't think of a single politician, and, and maybe you guys can, who is in it for the good of the people. You know, like, I feel like yeah, at I some there's point, always there's always power. There's always yeah. that craving of power yeah. that disrupts them. Right? I also 
I, I think one of the other things when we look at Donald Trump is if you go way back to like, say, five, maybe even six years ago, why did he run for president? That's a good question. Uh, ego? <laughs> And I think, and I think he found a niche. I think he found that spot. I think he had the right verbiage, especially after coming off of Obama. Let's protect the borders. Let's build that wall. Let's. I think he had all the right words that people were like, yes. I think Democrats didn't show up to vote because they're like, oh, it's Donald Trump. It's a fucking joke. Like he's never going to win. And I also think Hillary Clinton was a terrible opponent. I think she was yeah. never going to win. And if they had anybody else, maybe they would have. I truly believe that Trump loves America. Like I, I, people always say he's so un-American. I, I, I really do think he puts the American people first. Do you think if, he puts all American people first, or just what what he values first? I don't know. I think I would say he puts all American people first. Yeah, I believe that. I mean, I'm showing like with the um, as long as you're white. <laughs> the political scientist here. As long as you're white, <laughs> I don't know. Well, we were all thinking it. <laughs> Because, I mean, you look at the lowest unemployment in Hispanic and in the black. Pre-COVID. Yeah, yeah. pre-COVID. I mean, yeah. he, was breaking, he was breaking records. Like, he was really putting American, he was creating thousands, hundreds of thousands of jobs for Americans. Well, I think the Democrats were so willing to let lots of those jobs go across the ocean over yeah. to like China. And that they were going to, they're basically selling out their American businesses to foreign entities. Actually, I got a question for everybody. Just let me ask this. And uh, Alyssa, you got to answer this too, but you can go last because you're going to have to think about it maybe. If you had to make a choice for Premier of Alberta and your choice was Jason Kenney or Donald Trump, who would you pick? Jesus. Jason Kenney. But I say that. Really? You would choose Donald Trump before you choose Jason Kenney? I 100% would choose Donald Trump over Jason Kenney. I wouldn't. And, I, and it's a really hard thing to say because I really don't like either one of them as a candidate. <laughs> but, but I think at least Jason Kenney, I, I can't even, at least he's... Put, no, you got to come up okay, with it. You got to come up with at it. At least he Say one good thing about Jason Kenney. Fuck. I, I, aside from the last couple of weeks, I think Jason Kenney has handled COVID pretty well. I've agreed with a lot of his decisions up until the last little bit here. You know, I appreciated him not going into lockdown for as long as he did. I appreciate him not pandering to sort of the popular vote or what appeared to be the popular vote. I do think he's racist. I do think he's against, you know, LGBTQ2, which is what I would have a huge issue with. Um, but I think he's more quiet about it. I don't think he's, you know, sort of gathering the troops against freedoms. Whereas I think Donald Trump, Trump, Donald Trump, Donald Trump really is pandering to that audience who are white supremacists, who are these people. And I, and I don't think Jason Kenney is that I can see. Yeah. Yet. Yeah. Fair. Fair. I, I wonder if to hang on to power, if Jason Kenney had to marshal Albertan racists and white supremacists, <laughs> if he would, or if he would, if he would not, right? Like I think he probably would, you know, like, I think he's one of those guys he, his political history shows that he does not support the things that I support, which is why I didn't vote for him. Right. So, and I yeah. think, it, and I'm a conservative in Alberta politics, which I think all of us here are, except for this, I guess I can't speak for you, but I, I'm a conservative in Alberta, but I could not in good conscience vote for Jason Kenney. So, you know, if it had been any other candidate, I would have voted for Jason, for the conservatives, but I could not vote for Jason Kenney. So if it was Trump versus Kenny, though, you would get over that and vote for Kenny. For sure. <laughs> uh, Kenny's never said he would grab you by the pussy. So uh, he's got my vote. <laughs> well, because... Because much, much like myself, he's deeply closeted. All right, Zach, what's your, what's your opinion? I, I would, I would obviously, that would take Donald Trump. I think we need somebody that really stand up. 
I mean, if he was an Albertan, I think he would stand up for Albertans. I think he's... You don't think Kenny has versus the federal government? I think he has. I love yeah, Trump's knows. just louder. Yeah, fair, fair, yeah. No, he hasn't. You don't think I, he has? I, I don't think Kenny has. How he's has, pushed he? Back the carbon, has he? He's pushed back the carbon tax to up to the Supreme Court. Yeah, he's, so now we pay more yeah, and well, the money goes to yeah, federally, fair, right? It's not like there's fair. a... It's not like there's a we pay the carbon yeah. tax or we don't pay the carbon tax yeah. option. It's we pay it to the province and we do what we want with it. Yeah. Or it's another tax that goes to the federal government. And he said, you know yeah. what? I don't want this money. Yeah. Give it to the federal government. No. And it's like, the, it's laughable, right? No, that's a fair point. That was one of the things I didn't like about Kenny was I'd rather the money stay in the province and not be federal. I mean, he's obviously calling out Justin Trudeau at this point in time, but I think he's also forgetting his own negligence. <laughs> so yeah. I think he's oh, just yeah, trying 100%. to deflect blame for the vaccine situation, even though he and his party who were responsible for it were in Mexico. Mexico and Hawaii and everywhere else, except for here, making sure it was administered. So, Trudeau still fell short with ordering the yeah. right amount of doses, regardless yeah. of what you have to say. I mean, Timely, Alberta yeah. right now has, I, I, last time I saw, we were number one for actually administ- administering the vaccine, yeah. and we want more, and he's trying to really put pressure on the federal government. I do yeah, appreciate that from yeah. But you would vote for Trump because? I, I just, I don't, because <laughs> I'm a Trump supporter. <laughs> maybe you think he would be more vocal, more, like, what do you think, what qualities do you think he would bring that Kenny's missing? Uh, I don't know, I, I think he would be more vocal. Yeah. I mean, obviously, it's hard to compare the two because, I mean, you're talking about Trump has a much bigger platform, so like, yeah. you might have more support here and people would be, like, support him in larger numbers and that yeah. kind of stuff. I, I, there's lots of stuff that Kenny has done that I don't agree with, like, just in general. I'm not a big fan of him. I am yeah. conservative, but yeah. I mean, we got we kind of got screwed with the federal election as well. Yeah. I mean, I didn't like Andrew Scheer. No, was not I wouldn't vote for vote. him either. That's the problem. Like, mm-hmm. give, conservatives, give me somebody I'll fucking vote yeah, for. Somebody right? I can align with. Yeah. And so, and I, I guess I will say, I will say for Trump, like, I really do believe that he will have the uncomfortable conversations, that he will, you know, that he, he's done everything he said he was going to do. You he know, doesn't shy away from anything. Like, I don't know that I would call him honest, because I think that's a stretch, but I think that he has performed the job he has said he's going to do, whereas I think with Kenny, he obviously hasn't. Yeah. So, David, what's your thoughts? If I had to choose between, first off, I don't think either one of them are great choices, and I don't pine for either one of them. I would choose Donald Trump. And a little bit was something Zach said early on. I think that uh, he would advocate for Albertans in a way that actually made sense to Albertans. Because I think there's a couple important things to remember about Kenny. He was He's not from Alberta. Yeah. Right? He was born in Ontario. He His dad, uh, I believe, uh, worked in Oxbow, Saskatchewan for a while. So he went to Notre Dame in Oxbow. And he he basically, he's a Harper conservative. Um, and his family is is in Calgary and his mom lives in Calgary. So he has roots in Alberta. But I, I, don't, I don't think his, I, I think he looks at Albertans as... A means to an end, right? And I don't think he's been effective. That's the single biggest knock I have on Kenny, even though, and I've, I won't get into it now, I have personally some big issues with him, but he hasn't been effective. And I think that the difference you look at Donald Trump, if you were going to hire somebody to be the premier, you'd say, well, Trump, he certainly lost the confidence uh, and tried to lead an insurrection against the people that he was the president of, but he sold soap. Right. He got some of the he got some of the work done. And I don't see that in Kenny. Now, the one thing I will say Kenny has done a much better job of is a lot of the pandemic stuff. But the vaccines have been purchased by the federal government, not by him. He had nothing to do with that. And people can look and say that. the And I was a big an early on critic about this, that we don't have our own capacity. But that's honestly our own capacity. Sorry, just to elaborate, our own capacity to create our own vaccines, right? Because we shut down that. It's zero. Yeah, right? yeah. We, have, we have no ability. But it wasn't Trudeau that shut that down. I, I think that they're trying to contend with it now. And, you know, I, I think that when it comes to vaccines reaching our shore, I think the government's kind of done what they can do. And 
Kenny needs to like, I honestly think he needs to shut up about it. Yeah. Um, anyway, so just because I would, I, I look at the things that Trump has accomplished for the United States in terms of, in terms of trade and in terms of financial indicators, I'm not forgiving the horrible things he's done. All right, Alyssa, political science. Degree. All right, Alyssa, up to you. Yeah. Well, I think I wouldn't want either of them. I don't want either of them. You have to pick one. That's the game. Yeah, I mean. Yeah, you got to pick one. Are we, none of us, I don't want either one of them. Jen doesn't want either one of them, but you got to pick one. Yeah, I probably would say Kenny, and I agree with David on a lot of things. Like, I think he got voted in because he was going to challenge the federal government on two things, right? On the carbon tax and on equalization payments. And he was really big on, well, at the time there was, he wasn't going to do any cuts, which was bullshit. I mean, if you were smart, you knew that there was cuts coming. And B, he was really pandering to the oil and gas industry, which is why Calgary. Yeah, we we elected him because of jobs and pipelines. Yeah. Yeah. Right? He has nothing to do with pipelines. Yeah. 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 And he's made a lot of what he's made a lot of corporate tax breaks and he's made a lot of moves to support oil and gas. But the reality, as sad as it is, is that oil and gas is never going to be what it was. And so he's scaled back on a lot of diversification that Rachel Notley had put in place because he's taking all that money and putting it into oil and gas. And I I also think he's failed to attract attention for like foreign investment back into our oil sands because... I mean, that carbon tax does makes us not competitive totally. in the in the oil and gas. I mean, I work in the oil field. What it does, like, if you compare like, the cost to produce a barrel of oil in Alberta versus overseas in like Saudi Arabia, Arabia, I mean, they can produce a barrel for, I think, sub, sub $3 American. I mean, I think wow. for us to be profitable, I mean, I think you have to be at about $25 a barrel in Alberta. Yeah, which is a lot. Which is a huge. Comparatively. Yeah, yeah. yeah, if you're trying to make money. That's why OPEC when they want to drive the price of oil down, they can do it and still make money where it absolutely just freezes our market because we can't sell it because we'd be taking a hit. Yeah. And I hope that people are smarter because I know somebody in Calgary who was like really pro Kenny and like there was no discussion about it for her and she was in education and now she doesn't have a job. Right. So it's like, <laughs> it's like, I, like I hope that you, you know, recognize that maybe, yeah. you know, he wasn't the best person for the job, but in Calgary, you've got all of the white collar people, all of the executives in oil and gas who are really hoping it's going to come back. And I mean, or you're used to, or you're used to. Yeah. Well, he, I mean, did, I, yeah. he cut corporate taxes. Can he, he did. He, did. Yeah. he lined his friend's pockets. Yeah, he likes all that did. Yeah, I mean, I'm not, def- I'm not not any politician though. I mean, Trump fucking pardoned I mean, it's, it's his, all, uh, his son-in-law's father. Lobbying, right? Yeah, so much of that is lobbying. I mean, I'm not defending Kenny, but my biggest problem with Trump is that he's not a proper politician. Like the way that he, but that's why people voted for him. That's, that's true. That's probably what got him in yeah, to, the, sure it is. to the presidency. But I just so think what's a proper politician? One who knows how to implement policies properly. One has had experience. Yeah, in politics. knows what you can and cannot do. Yeah. He, Trump knows no limits. Like he just thinks he's God. He thinks he can do anything he wants. Yeah. And I will say, like, because uh, my husband, I don't know if he wants me to say this, but supports Trump. And I think one of the biggest things that he supported was that he was not a politician that he was going to go in there and drain the swamp which was the catchphrase that he used sean really liked that Uh, and two trump has had uncomfortable conversations with countries that nobody else would have the balls to do it right so yeah that's true that's true so uh, you know like he went into north korea and you know so i have a lot of issues with trump so if i sound like a trump supporter please know i am absolutely 100 not but um but i can see why people really bought into what he was saying what he was selling i i agree because the time couldn't have been more effective like his time of entrance into politics was perfect if you like imagine it because people were so sick of listening to the same jargon yeah. just over and over again it's like you keep telling us the exact same thing but you don't see any change yeah it's just i mean it's it's government there's so many levels to it and it's 
Yeah. It just takes forever to get laws passed or to see actual change. But I agree with Alyssa in that I think his lack of experience was also part of his downfall, right? Like, I don't yeah. think he knew no, how to 100%. play the game properly. Oh, 100%. You know, like, I think I think his lack of experience was partially part of his downfall because he had no idea what the fuck he was doing. A real president doesn't do what he did. Oh well, yeah. <laughs> well, and he he surrounded himself by he surrounded himself with yes people. Anybody who challenged him, he would fire. And it's like for me as a leader, and I think I hope Dave would agree, is that you need people who are going to challenge yeah, you, you yes, because, because you're not always right, and you yeah. need people who are going to call you out and say, "Hey, what you're doing is fucked. You can't do that." And anytime somebody did that with Trump, they were fired. And so it's like I I think Trump as a leader is problematic because he was not willing. To have dialogue, he was not willing to debate the well, issues. A perfect example of that too is like the way he treated Fauci. Yeah, I mean Fauci, and then moment Fauci, he didn't agree with them. He just started talking bad about yeah. his lead doctor or Mike Pence. Like <laughs> yeah, Pence was, I was a loyal him. follower for four years. I, I can't believe what he said. Like when I saw that tweet, I was like, "You just well, ended everything." Like you, right? Like because this guy's this guy could be your saving vote. Well, and I mean, if he, it really came down he to it, backed you up in times where I'm sure Pence was like, "What yeah. the fuck am I doing?" Yeah. But I'm going to do it. And it's like the one time when he had no power to do what Trump was asking him to do. Like he couldn't even do what Trump was asking him to do. If, if Pence wasn't such a Bible thumper, I think Pence would be a great candidate. For that, and that was my issue as obviously a Canadian with no real investment here is that it's like you get rid of Trump and then you got fucking Mike Pence. And it's like neither one for me, you know, obviously not my issues is a great I mean, candidate. He's a well-spoken guy. And I, 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 I do yes. think he holds good American values. I mean, obviously yeah. I'm concerned and I think differently than you do. Or but I'm a conservative. I just, I America, I mean, yeah. American conservative, but, but yeah. I think so much sure. of the problem is like there's two aisles. It's left and right. There is no middle. And yeah. I think with the current political system, I mean, they drive so hard for their left or for the right. So, I mean, for somebody like me, who I, who I, I mean, I align conservative, but I would say I'm more, far more of a centrist or liber- libertarian, so just right of center. And I think part of the problem is as they create all, all, each of these parties is just creating more and more divide. And it's so much harder for f- people to find common ground. And I think that's what we lack. I mean, nobody wants to have the conversation anymore. There's no civil discourse. Yeah. I mean, and I think that's such a huge part where people actually sit down and have a conversation and understand where each other is coming from. It is so important. I think there's none of that in today's society. Everybody is two people yelling, nobody listening. So let me ask you something. So like when you're so obviously when we're talking American politics, you're Republican, I would absolutely be Democrat. But when we're talking Canadian politics, I think we're very similar. And same with my husband, who is Republican, Democrat. And then when we come here, we vote the same. Mm-hmm. So what's the difference between Republican and Democrat and the two party system and then coming into Canada and having our having our values align? Right. And Alyssa and I were talking about this a little bit. And I wonder if it's because some of the issues that the Americans are debating to this day are not issues for us. Right. Mm-hmm. Like talking about gay rights in the U.S. is a very yeah. real thing that can be taken away. Yeah. Whereas in Canada, it's not an issue. Talking about abortion yeah. in the U.S. is a very real issue that can be taken away. In Canada, it's not. And that's where I disagree with conservatives, honestly. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I, I it's woman's choice. I mean, I told I definitely I, I don't align with that side of the Republican. I yeah. actually completely stay out of that conversation because it doesn't bother me. Like you said, it yeah. doesn't conserve us concern us but i think why i i say i'm conservative in american politics and much more libertarian yeah in uh canadian politics is because i think i mean it's left and right and i think the democrats have gone so far left mm-hmm. and, and republicans I, so far right and again i and agree yeah like, like i said and that's why i mean i, I would choose to be a republican because i believe in like a capitalistic society yeah and i really think that I mean, with everything with the freedom of speech going down with the, them deplatforming or partially deplatforming Trump and taking yeah. Parler down and that kind of stuff, I think it's very dangerous. Mm-hmm. You're talking about taking away freedom of speech and that, and, and that's only the beginning. 
Yeah. And I I think that becomes a very dangerous conversation to have is when you can just start silencing people. But with that said, I mean, and I guess here's the, here's the devil's advocate to that is that the Republicans, let's say in this scenario are trying to silence other people. They're trying to silence gay people. They're trying to silence women. Right. So, and I I mean, parlor and I get, because normally I would agree with you in terms of freedom of speech should not be restricted. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. But a parlor, Amazon, all of those, they're private companies. You have to abide by their rules. I I know. But the the problem with that is, sorry, I think one of the things to remember though, with parlor and Amazon kicking them off and stuff like basically, because there's court actions right now and they've released some of the messages that were shared on parlor that provoked them to kick them off. Yeah. It's not because it was, it was reasonable or rational political disagreements that were yeah. going on on there. They were inciting right? and violence. And that should be taken down. But yeah. really inciting violence. Right. And, and Amazon warned them several times leading up to the Capitol uh, insurrection or whatever you want to call it. And they refused to. And I think it got to a point where some of these companies were like, look in, in good conscience, parlor is not being diligent. They're allowing people to, like op- openly plot uh, extreme violence against certain groups of people. And they had, they, they talked to parlor and they tried to get them to take the, you know, to just that uh, have group. moderators. Yeah. And eventually they said, look, we can't be a part of this. You can't be on our, you well, can't I be guess on that's my, and right? I really struggle because I really do believe in freedom of speech, but I also don't think that white supremacists and people who are inciting violence deserve that platform. I know, but I think it goes, I think, it, but that's, that's the problem here is I think it goes both ways. I mean, you look at some of the stuff that was happening with black lives matters. Some of it was praised. I mean, these people were burning cities down, but I, I mean, 97, what was it? I, sorry, I can't remember the stuff, but it was like 90% of them weren't violent, right? And But when know, you but go to the other side, there was statistically more violence on the other side, right? So while I agree, and, I, and Sean and I had this debate too, because it was like, he's like, people are just taking advantage of it. People who aren't really part of the movement are now rioting. They're now looting. They're now sort of taking advantage of this movement. But you'll always get that. You will, Yeah. I know, but I just think I have a problem like Twitter and Facebook and YouTube and are guess, so willing yeah. to play God. Sure. I mean, they, they claim to themselves to be private companies under Section 230. Well, let me ask you something. So what's the difference in your mind between the Black Lives Matter riot and the Capitol riot? Because like, for me, Black Lives Matter, they're, they're rioting a very specific issue. So what is the Capitol rioter or what's the QAnon? What is the... Yeah, QAnon would be the... So what is their issue that sort of that they deserve to have this violence. Yeah, I know exactly what yeah. you I agree with you. I don't I don't think inciting violence in any way is ever going to solve the problem. Yeah, Political fair. violence yeah. doesn't solve anything. But I guess both black lives well, not say, now, not with, nowadays. With black lives matter, with black lives matters, they've tried silently to protest. Nobody fucking gave a shit. Like that Colin Kapatrick or whatever his name is, when kneeling. Yeah, whatever. When he was <laughs> he was kneeling, everybody was up in arms. He lost his football contract. Like he he was basically shunned for kneeling during the anthem. I know, right? it drives me nuts. But, but that's my point is like the Black Lives Matters tried silently for years to say, hey, you need to look at this issue. Hey, you need to look at this issue. And everybody ignored them. I don't, but I, I, you know what, though? To a point is their, their constituent or their people they vote for, their constituent, they, are the one, they should be going to them with these problems. But they if, try. I know, but if they're not doing anything, I, I get, yeah. are they honestly not doing anything though? Or are they trying? I mean, you're talking about everything is so compartmentalized in the United States. Yeah. It's like there's a hundred people to well, go through. The chain comes, of command yeah. is ginormous. Yeah. And it's not a simple problem sure. to solve. Like, it, sure. is, it is so diverse. It's systematic. It is. Yeah. Yeah. I agree to a point that it is it's systematic. I mean. And I guess that's my point is like Black Lives Matter, they're fighting for equal rights. What is QAnon fighting for that says, hey, incite oh, I agree. I, 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 the Clintons I are pedos. <laughs> 
Hey, I got I got to give a quick thing in here. <laughs> if if you're listening to this podcast and you're like, "Oh, fucking the Clintons are pedos." <laughs> And this is a whole big thing that has to be exposed. We, want we need to you. get in touch yeah. with us because we really want to have you on the podcast. I think they're pedos. What's that? Do you? Yeah. The Clintons are not I, I don't know. I think, a pedophile rank. Do you think they are? Yes. I think, oh, interesting. So I, you're really they're conspiracy theorists. creepy. So you yes. really, but creepy, no, but no, creepy yes, and no, running a pedophile ring are two different things. Oh, like Trump isn't raping hey, and grab was by the pussy. You look at Lindsey Graham. <laughs> Lindsey Graham uh, on the Republican Senate. You mean that guy's just as fucking creepy. Yeah, fair, fair. You listen to him talk, you're like, this guy's like, I want to change gears a little bit right now um, because Jen, you said you identify as conservative and Zach, you said you identify as conservative. Well, let's say progressive conservative. Cause I obviously don't a lot. And I think that's, we've no, talked no, but still, but still this idea yeah. of, of saying, Oh, I have conservative beliefs and things like that. And when I, I, I do too. And fiduciary, like fiduciary obligations. Well, like that's, let, let, let me speak for a second because yeah. I had, I had an exchange <laughs> on Twitter I had an exchange yeah. on Twitter that made me look at this differently because they, they, I mean, it is huge on Twitter right now and a lot of social media, obviously, because the left is very empowered because they won the presidency, right? And they, they, they had a great victory in the U.S. And it's been a long time since the left had a great victory, although you could imagine, or you can, you can, I guess, frame how Trudeau stole the federal election from conservatives in Canada as a left victory, although really that's has more to do with problems in the Canadian electoral system, but I won't get into that. <laughs> um, so they've been hungry for a victory. They've got their victory. And now they're, they're really spiking a lot of footballs and doing a lot of victory dances. So I saw some posts on Twitter and I don't even remember what it was, but I remember I replied and I said, I said, look, greed and homophobia and racism are not conservative values. They're not right. They shouldn't be. They yeah. are. And a whole bunch of people responded and said, you're naive. Like, like the conservative movement now is all about, uh, all about those things, right? The things that we don't want, we want to say that we have nothing to do with. And I kind of thought about it and I'm like, you know what? You're a hundred percent right. You cannot be a successful conservative politician without in the United States or Canada without embracing social conservatives. And when we always say, yeah, we always say I'm a conservative, but I'm not that kind of conservative. What we're saying is I believe in liberty and small government and, you know, competition and living my life how I want to live my life. Well, what about gay people? Well, I have nothing wrong with gay people. And they're like, no, 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 no. If you want to be a conservative, you got to have an opinion on gay people. And I think that, you know, was I read that and I thought like, about it. Talking, like, was yeah, it was Canadians. Canadian? Yeah, it was yeah. Canadians. And I said, I, but, but conservatives now in North America, yeah. even worldwide, right? Anytime yeah. you shift to the right, it's like yeah. it's picked up this stink and you can't get rid of the yeah. stink that social conservatives have brought to it. I, I like, I don't care if you're a man and you love another man. I don't care if you're a man and you love a fence post. It has nothing to do with me. And I think that if you really are a libertarian and you believe in liberty and making your own choices and all this kind of stuff and the bare minimum of government involvement, that falls under it. But this idea that social conservative and, and you know, fiscal conservatism have gotten in bed together, it's made me realize, you know what? Fuck it. You guys win. I'm not a conservative. But then yeah. the question becomes, well, then what am I? Right? Yeah. Well, and, and I guess that, that's a great question because it's like I, I don't necessarily align my values with the NDP per se because of the sort of fiscal responsibilities. Mm-hmm. But but I mean, the social side for me is something that I'm very passionate about. Like I so it, it, yeah, you're right. Like what what party am I then? Right. Yeah, and, I, yeah. and when I did the quiz with uh, the federal government, because you have that quiz that you can take that tells you yeah, sort of who you vote, can vote, vote for. Yeah. And I was like, I don't know, 54 percent liberal, 52 percent liberal. 
Liverpool. I've had too many gins at this point in time. Um, so it was like, you know, like there was a small difference between, so I'm really like kind of centered between conservatism yeah, and, and liberal. Yeah, so you're centrist. So, so you're a centrist, yeah, right? I guess. So, so I think if you, if you went out and asked, you know, a hundred percent of people and there was this real viable option that was centrist. And it's funny because I, I was a, a lady on uh, Twitter the other day asked what, centrist opinions on certain things were. So I sent her a clip of the Chris Rock thing where he talks about the insanity between either being 100% of one thing or 100% of the other thing. And he says, crime, I'm conservative on crime. Prostitution, I'm pretty liberal on prostitution. (laughs) And it's this whole thing he does. And it's like, you know what? I think if we were really given some kind of option where it's like, you know what? I I don't want the government. Well, I, I don't want the government running my life, right? But at the same time, I don't think the government should not protect gay kids. Yeah, right? like I think any should, kind yeah. of vulnerable child should be protected, right? Yeah. And if you want to stick your head in the sand and say, well, socially conservative parents will do what they will with their gay child. It's like, but that's, Ugh, that's you know, that's okay. not right, right? That's yeah. not right. So I wonder what it would take to create some kind of centrist political movement. And I think it should be like in every province and every and Canada-wide, in every state, in every city. You know what I mean? Like I think, but here's yeah. my problem with it. I think most of us, if we really boiled it down to us, would have kind of middle of the road political views or a little from curtain A and a little from curtain B. But the reason we wouldn't be able to find support for this is because most people in that category, yeah, we got jobs, man. Right? Like we're, we have lives and we, you know, we're already happy with what we're doing and we're not interested in the power grab. And I think that when people say, well, I really want to have power. I really want to have this. Then they say, well, I know how to appeal to one side of the spectrum or the other side of the spectrum. And I think that's what politics has become, not just in Canada, not just in Alberta, not just in the United States, but everywhere where people vote. Well, and I assume, and I guess with the such as parties, you're assuming that the values that I hold are going to be that party's values, but I mean, it might not be necessarily. Not totally. So why is the U.S. a two-party system? Like, why is there no other... That's how it's written into their constitution. But they have other parties. You can be independent, but I mean... Yeah. And just how it's set up, it's either you're one or the other. The independent, I mean, except for one time in history that they actually want a decent percentage of the vote. Yeah. That independent, I forget who it was. Oh, you don't want to know who it was. It was... uh... (laughs) <laughs> the hell is his name? But he was not a good person. He was not a good person. No, but he's the only one that ever pulled a vote. Was it George Wallace? I don't. I don't remember. I don't remember. But oh, that might be it. And did he win the presidency? Or? No, no. Oh. Just, that was the only time. And in- he got uh, what's he got electoral college votes. Okay. But it's interesting if you go back through the U.S. history, they actually used to the position occupied by the Republicans now used to kind of be the Democrats because don't forget the Republicans are the party of Lincoln. And the people who supported slavery were actually Southern Democrats, right? And so they've had this weird changing of the guard and and there's American political history is pretty interesting. You know, if you got nothing else going on in your life, <laughs> it's a deep dive. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's a lot because it's a big country and lots of has gone on and stuff like that. Um, but I think right now the, the concern I have with it or, and a lot of people have with it is just the polarization and the intolerance. And I think the yeah. question now is how do you get past that? Alyssa, that's your question. Yeah, well, I just want to say, like, I think everyone should watch the documentary on Netflix called Social Dilemma because it really talks about how media, especially social media, has contributed to this divide. It's gotten so much worse in the last... I don't know. But has it gotten worse or is it just more? Yeah, I would say 10 years. Has it gotten worse or is it just more amplified? Well, okay, let's use, I like to compare it to other countries. So when Trump got into power, we saw far right parties gaining momentum all across the world in Europe specifically. 
And we don't see that same level. Like, I think the U.S. is on the brink of civil war. Like, mm-hmm. it's literally... I agree. Things sure are seems that up. way, yeah. So, what was the question again, David? <laughs> I don't even remember. I feel like I got off the tangent. Social media leading... But, like, I... Yeah, like, I... Polarizing... Yeah, but I wonder, is it more polarized or is it just more amplified? Well, People I think have it's more polarized voices. because, okay, because Zach, where do you get your news stories from? Like, where are you reading? I'm a Twitter guy. So it's on Twitter. You? Uh, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, like the normal right. social okay. media. And David as well? Where do you read um, your news? No, not Reddit? at all. Not, no, I, I, no, don't forget, Alyssa, I am greatly aged. <laughs> so no, I still, I, I spend probably the first half hour of every day trying to reduce and I seek out independent voices, right? I don't, I, I am, I am super aware that what I read on Twitter, I don't even, like, I don't fucking pay attention to Facebook, right? Ever yeah, since most of the sure. girls I knew got a bit older, so I don't enjoy their Mexican vacation photos like I used to, I barely <laughs> have a use for Facebook. But Twitter, Twitter is, is so polarized, I would say on the left, at least with the people I follow. No, yeah. I look at news and I, I judge things for myself, right? Yeah, but I don't think people are doing that. So I want to bring attention to the fact that like you guys are getting news stories tailored to your bias. For sure. Good point. I've been going, but and I every find... American is doing that. And, yeah. and like it goes back to the education system. It's the, in the algorithm. States. I mean, you it did, is if, the if algorithm. You, if you, all you did, I mean, there's but an like, example, Joe Rogan talked about it. All you do is search up. There's a kid, a friend that all he did was look at puppy videos on YouTube. That's all they came up with in the suggestion. So, I mean, they absolutely play into sure. people's ideologies. And I think it's very dangerous because yeah. people don't see both sides well, of the coin. And a consumer, like for, like I did my due diligence, like with obviously this whole voter fraud stuff, like especially living with a Trump supporter i followed down the rabbit hole right it was like every time somebody said oh there was you know burned ballots on the side of the road it's like okay let's follow this trail and see what i can find and vice versa right so but i think to expect every consumer to do that is probably not realistic right that's 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 a really sad reality if that is the case because i think we're educated enough and we should all know and i think this documentary really i think we all are aware of these algorithms but the way this documentary is presented it's done in a very effective way and it's deep like it's dark and it's like we don't we don't even have the choice anymore on what Mm -hmm. we can read but but what drives it is it money that drives it or yes absolutely capitalism i'm sorry but it's capitalism don't don't apologize i'm not like someone who's socialist i get it so i realize i'm an old white guy but i'm not that tied to capitalism yeah so when you follow so let's just follow the trail so facebook posts an algorithm or so algorithm to me which supported democratic views how do they make money from that like how do they like what is in it for them yeah so add so certain corporations and let's like let's say who's who's making the most money i'd say amazon pharmaceutical companies tech companies, car companies. So whoever's corner store drug dealer, whoever's sponsoring, actually, this is very much related. Whoever's sponsoring whatever media outlet, that's where yeah. they're making money. So well, but I think media has got swung so far left. I feel like I, I, as left as I am, I see the danger in both sides being extreme. Yes. Yeah, sure. Leftivism is just as bad as extreme. They're both, they're yeah. equally bad. Well, I there's think no and, conversation. I don't think Antifa and QAnon, I don't think anybody here would argue that one of them isn't the right. No, right. Like, I mean, that's too far neither. extreme to both sides. Right. But yeah. So yeah, I think, I think the education system in the States is also a real problem and people aren't able to 
realize that how big of a role media is playing in this well, they, division because it's not happening all over the world. Well, and I think I think as a consumer, I think you consume what you want to consume. You know what I'm saying? Like if I if I believe that the election was fraudulent, then that's what I'm going to source out, right? I'm going to source out anything that supports my belief. Well, yeah. and, like like and, and get rid of anything that doesn't. Become the problem is they it's not even that you have to go search it out now. It's everybody's feed is tailor made to them. Yeah. And that's how yes. they that's how they do that. It's everything's tailor made to yeah. what you're searching. And, and they know what you, they yeah. know how long you're spending on articles. Yeah. All the sure. information is controlled they know. But human behavior before social media is cognitive dissonance, right? Dissonance. Mm-hmm. Dissonance. <laughs> cognitive dissonance. Where you seek out the to information to support your theory, right? Like yeah, that you are not open to being wrong. You are seeking out the information that is going to prove you right. Right. right? But I think I think there's so many people I, I think a lot of people like that, but I think I think more and more with the way media is, I think people are trying to, I mean, there's obviously extremists. Yeah, I, I try to find common ground. I, like, I yeah. don't, I'm not going out looking to prove yeah. my point. Like if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. But I think you and I, I do the same. I think David is the same, but I don't think that's the average person. No. I really don't. No. I don't know. Well, I actually, you know what? The, the difference for me is uh, who out there is on TikTok? Me. I have a TikTok. How could you not be? Well, Alyssa's not. Alyssa gets annoyed when I send her TikTok. I'm, I'm not really on social media. I don't like, I don't like CC. P apps. What's a CCP? Chinese app? Communist Party. Oh, that's TikTok. Yeah. I think it's I think it's the People's Party. I like Chinese yeah, food. Whatever you want to call it. <laughs> communist oh, regime. So Zach, Zach, what do you see on TikTok? Like what kind of videos come up in your feed? And be honest, be honest. Golf. This is loose and conversational. A lot of golf. No, lots of, I, 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 I play I've lots never of golf. gotten fucking golf on my TikTok. <laughs> golf, like like um dark humor. Kind of I, stuff. Okay. I really just want to be someone else on TikTok for a day because it's like my feed is never this shit. Alyssa doesn't have a TikTok, but we can speak for Amanda. It's black guys shaking their cocks. That's I mean, honestly. You can go back David, to the Amanda podcast. David's used to be like what t-shirts or something. No, mine used, used to be mine used to be women with no bras on. And yeah. one of our first podcasts, I was like, why is there a social media platform that has nothing but women with no bras on? And that's when I, that's when I found out, but that's when I found out that TikTok just gives you what it thinks you want to see. And I have since trained TikTok, so I don't see women (laughs) with no bras on anymore. Um, But you know what I never see? I never see political stuff. And if that's the Chinese, the China, the people's party of China or whatever they call their influence. Hey, that's great. Right? Like I never see political stuff on TikTok. I and it's why friend who that's all she sees. She sees Black Lives really? Black Lives Matters movement. I've like never she seen sees, any of it. She sees a lot I'm of political, political stuff. And I mean she's a very political person, but that's what she sees on her TikTok. Is Black Lives Matter a political movement? Yes. I don't think it is. I, I don't think, think it is. is either. Because you're talking about budgets. You're talking about resources. Look, look at Alyssa. She's just trying to pretend we're not here. Well, I think so much. I think there's been so much money thrown into this that I, I think it's lined a lot of people's pockets. I mean, you, you have to question where a lot of this money's went. I mean, this back when it was the Minnesota fund, I think they had, I, I don't know, the, I think it was $30 million. And I think it was a very small, small percentage. I think it was less than 1% of the money was actually bailing people out of prison for rioting. Yeah, but Black Lives Matter is about it's, a, it's about systemic racism. It's, it's about it's about so I know, much. It's deep. It's yeah. Deep. David, but how I, can you I, not I, say... I'll question anything. You never know where the money's going. I mean, the Democrats always take 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 more money, but you don't see anything from it. But I think they legally have to show you where it's coming from. Are you? I mean, I, I, I don't point, know, but... right? But 
But I think black, yeah, I absolutely think it's a political thing. David, why don't you? Of course it's political. Maybe because I'm naive. I don't think it should be a political movement. I think Black Lives Matter is uh, is an attempt to bring an, an important issue to light, right? But if and, you're looking and, for resources, you're looking to the government to fund that, period, right? So if you're, if it's... It a, shouldn't if, be a political movement. But let's go look at resources. But you're looking for... But the reality is you're talking about government positions. You're talking about police officers. You're talking about... Yeah, I'll, you're talking I'll, about I'll legal. Point. I think it is... I think it's more of a political movement because I think people they're a general group of those people are trying to have their voices heard and are looking for real change and people aren't and then change comes from government like so you, so you think shouldn't. so Jen you think it has to be political I, I, how does change come if it's not from politicians you're talking about police you're talking about resources social workers education you're talking about everything that is politically yeah, funded. fair enough so fair enough you're Trump supporters yeah. just guns but not only that the black woman goes back Assault so rifles. far like the black yeah, people sure. it goes back to slavery goes which was back government. to the start yeah. of the United States the black people were the backbone of the United States I, and still to this day to understand because we've never had to go through that yeah and like, they've always had this issue. But that's not true. It's I think so I think, inbred in there in the Constitution. I think so, a lot of people think that there's not as much racism here, but I do not think that that is actually true. I oh, think, there's tons. There's tons of racism. But it's towards yeah, Indigenous people. More. Indigenous, but I think black 100%. people as well. Like think about when I went to school, I had literally one black person in my school. Right, but, like that was it. But I, I think, and I've said this before. I think one thing important to re- remember is Black Lives Matter is an American movement, and it, and it addresses an American issue. But if it's you, also if you, yeah. well, it, but mm-hmm. yeah, whether it should be is a but question. Statistically, because, but statistically, Black lives are still at risk here in Canada. Yeah, but, statistically, okay, okay, fair enough. Just give me two seconds here because sure. I got to make sure I'm heard properly, or people will think I'm a racist. <laughs> I, I, I think when when you deal with Black Lives Matter, and Alyssa is kind of saying the same thing, you go back in time. It's because America was forged, and a big, you know, a big part of early United American history is slavery, right? When you go to Canadian, the early parts of Canadian history, and, and where our country was born, it's colonialism. Mm-hmm. And when you, and when you're talking about making reparations and making things whole for a group of people in the United States, it's Black people and Black Lives Matter. In Canada, it's Indigenous people. And the only reason I'm not saying black lives don't matter in Canada, I'm not saying black people don't get don't don't have an axe to grind. But I'm saying if you're Canadian and you're saying, look, I think it's important that we make everything whole for everybody, then it starts with indigenous people. Right. And I think that there's a tremendous because we look at the media, we look at we look at, you know, celebrities that we like, we look at all the stuff pushing black lives matter. And it's easy for us to forget about the fact that we right now, all of us are are stand or well, we're not standing. We're sitting, but we're living on indigenous land, right? And tr- traditional territories of people who aren't us. And we we don't wake up every day and come from a, the pos- a position of settlers. And until that happens, I think we've got a long way to go in Canada, right? And I think that when we start beating the Black Lives Matter drum in Canada, as valid as it is, it's like, yeah, but we're being hypocritical, right? Yeah, yeah. I think uh, just my quick opinion before Alyssa gets in here because I think she wants to. But, oh yeah, she's leaning uh, forward. Know, she's, she's like. like <laughs> I think it's, I think obviously indigenous is sort of like our dirty little secret. You know, it's sort of that thing that for maybe for the U S that is more the slavery thing. Right. So I think indigenous obviously is something that we as a, a country are need to, you know, be what's the word I'm looking for. I'm too drunk to say at this point in time, but, um, but you need to make whole, but I also yeah. think it's dangerous to say it has to start with just one. I think we can put in programs that would support all minorities, not just say, okay, you know what? Indigenous is where we need to start. I think we can start with whole with, by putting in proper programs. Well, that's just with, your white privilege speaking. With, with, that be, with, with, with that being said, they've had lots and lots of money handed over to them. 
Well, and they indigenous don't. people? No, yeah. no, no, no. That's... And money doesn't solve the problem. It's support. It's programs. Their own people. But you know what? You have to look at. You're giving yeah. when they are it's getting this sad. money. Just they're not sad. spending it properly. They're they're very because they don't have the tools or education. Yeah. And it's and it's so. and at the end of the day, it's not about money. Their own anyway, we got to let Alyssa talk. Alyssa actually is waving her hand right now. Yeah, she's like, I want to talk. Okay, okay. I have a degree. Shut up. <laughs> and not only that, but I took my degree over eight years and I took half of it in Alberta and half of it in BC, so I feel like I have a well <laughs> But anyways, um Well if you're gonna talk, that, maybe get a little bit closer to a microphone. Okay. Um the reason one of the biggest problems much with, with indigenous people and the money that's getting spread to the reserves is that they've been put into these like electoral sort of bands, and that's never how they ever made decisions traditionally. So is all um, a consensus. They made decisions on a council. And so what you have is systemic corruption in all of the bands. And and I don't know what, like every situation, all indigenous people have their own terrible history, but so there, you have the, this political system that the uh, British government set them up with, which is not their traditional government. And of course you have people, basically people who have the biggest families get the most votes and get elected to be the chief or whatever. Um, Secondly, you have, intergenerational drama so let's not forget trauma or drama trauma sorry. Yeah. um the last residential school what, 1990s, <laughs> that, wasn't it it was the 19 1999 what? was the last fucking insane. residential that's, school to close that's not. 22 years ago that's pretty crazy so i mean this is going to take time and it's going to take a lot of and they have to heal in their own way so like yeah just throwing money at them is actually the worst thing it doesn't make people of Canada happy. It doesn't make the indigenous people happy. It doesn't make the government happy. So it's All like, it does is make a, people in power think we're doing something, yeah, exactly. even if you're not doing yeah. something. I know, you look at a lot of uh, places around Canada where there is, there is good reserves in Canada where they do take care of themselves and they do get educated. And there's people that come out of this. I just think a lot of the population of indigenous people, I don't think they have that intention. I, 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 I To me, it feels like they have no problem living off government money. Like, I feel like they don't want to make a change, but I think I think part of it is you have to want to make a change. And I, it, and I think a majority of them, mm-hmm. they're fine living the life they but live. But here's the thing is I think, and I, and I'll, I like, and I, this is probably a terrible comparison, but like growing up with a specific friend who was literally handed everything, right? Like her parents had money, she was handed everything. But the problem is she cannot sustain on her own because mm-hmm. she's never had to had the, the resources, I guess, to do it on her own. And so I think going back to that mm-hmm. is just like, I don't think they have the tools, education and resources to do it on their own. Yeah. You know, like I, I think we all have that friend who's like been handed everything and, and is a fuck up, right? Because mm-hmm. it's like, they don't have no idea. And I think it's mm-hmm. education, it's tools, it's resources. And I think, I think some communities are probably better, more ahead than others. But I think when you talk about it as a blanket statement, I think there's more on the other, like on the sort of the, you know, downtrodden side than the sort of the upside, right? Yeah. yeah I, I think- I th- Sorry, I think there's an inequity yeah. when you go from different First Nations, right? Like some definitely are managed better than others, mm-hmm. yeah. and some aren't. And and yeah. I've got I've got, I'm from Saskatchewan, right? And what does that mean? It means it means I have a I have a lot of Indigenous friends, and and one of the ones who was supposed yeah. to be on the podcast but hasn't yet. You know, he 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 comes from a reserve where things were traditionally mismanaged, although he did all right. And one of the things that we got to remember is if you are born and grow up in a situation, and I'm not just talking about indigenous people here anywhere, where poverty is all you know, and, mm-hmm. and there's no hope for anything. And you kind of come through your formative years and you 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 become a young adult 
is the idea that you're poor or there's no opportunity for you or there's nothing that gives you self-worth. If there's nothing, you're going to turn to something, right? And it's it's probably not going to be a good thing. It might be drugs or it might be violence or it might be booze or it might be, you know, even worse, it might be religion. No, I'm just kidding. Um <laughs> The, uh, but but you'll probably go down this bad path and nothing will ever get fixed. And I think when we say, well, we throw money at the problem because that because we're white people, right? Or we're, we're the establishment and we think money should fix issues. It doesn't fix issues, right? Like we all turn up our nose. All of us do. We all turn up our nose. What's that? What's the reserve out by Wetaskiwin? They had to change. It got so bad they had to change their oh, name. Um, Is it Enoch? No, no, no. That's no, no, not Enoch. No, 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 no. Well, Lex, we have this conversation all the time. What's the name of the reserve? That was, they had to change the name. It's called. I have no idea. Um, no idea. Uh, I forget what it, if, it, if it comes to me, I'll tell you. Um, it's okay. The voice will come in when this actually airs, which says what it is. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Actually, you know what? Let's, let's, let's turn this over to the uh, Lucid Conversational Podcast moderator. <laughs> Thank you, David. I can assist. I am Polly, the Lucid Conversational Podcast moderator. The community that you are talking about is named after the Cree word for bare hills. My Cree is a little rusty, but I'll try. Masquisis. Yeah, them. <laughs> they, they, have, they have so many problems in that reserve that all of us look at it pejoratively, right? We don't think of the problems we have. We just think of the outrageous crime that comes out of it and the social issues and everything else. Um, but we don't really think of, well, what do we really need to do to fix it? And I think that if we're going to look at Black Lives Matter, we're going to look at all these other issues. You know, th- there is a lot more to do to fix the indigenous problem in Canada. Um, and I shouldn't say the indigenous problem, but 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 the the suffering that indigenous people continue to have. And we should just work on that. And we should leave Black Lives Matter to the Americans. Disagree, but we'll leave it at that. Uh, I know we're getting close to our time. So See, Zach, we will politely disagree yeah. because we're Canadian and we can do that. Yeah. <laughs> so, Zach, knowing how Trump has behaved in the last few weeks, how has your opinion changed about him? Yes or no? I mean, I, I think it's more difficult to be a Trump supporter. I mean, I, I don't think he incited violence. And I think what they're trying to impeach him over by name is unconstitutional. I mean, if you look at some of the other Senate members and that during the Black Lives Matter protests, I mean, they said far worse things like get people's faces and that. So, I mean, in the term of impeaching him, I don't think it's, I, I think it's unconstitutional mm-hmm. under their American rule. But you I, as a supporter. As a supporter, I think it absolutely is more difficult. I mean, because I think what he was good at is, yes, he has that extremist group, but I think he had a lot of people that aligned with him because I think I think he had the, the majority of Americans' best interests at hand, like when it came to like e- economics. And I really think he did boost the economy. But it does it absolutely become more difficult when, if it doesn't go his way, he's so willing to... Just like toss you yeah, aside. Live, live by the sword, die by the sword, right? Yeah. And when it doesn't work out for him, it's that ego that every politician has, and especially, so, I mean, he's more he of a celebrity. Race, but he's more of a celebrity. More of it, yeah. He's more of a celebrity, right, than a politician. So yeah. I think that ego's even larger, and I think, for sure. I think that's what hurts him. Yeah. And so with Donald Trump, would you have voted for him again in 2020? I would assume yes, because that was before yeah. all of this. And so for you... Um, like and so for I, we never got around to stating all of our viewpoints, but for I can I can understand why people like Trump, but for me the behavior is a problem, and I couldn't support that. Kind of like with Jason Kenney, like I don't necessarily I'm conservative, mm-hmm. but I couldn't support some of what he supported, right? So I know that you as a person aren't racist, aren't sexist, aren't like I know you're not mm-hmm. that. So how do you say? Do you, I guess, do you think Trump represents that or no? I don't think he does. I just think, I think he gets pulled in as lots of conservatives do with what David was saying is that we're, we're racist, we're sexist, we're against LGBTQ. I think if you look at the majority of the population of conservatives, 
what a line that those things are okay. Like women's right to choose. It's fine to be gay. Like I have no problem. I mean, yeah. I have family that's gay. And it doesn't race. affect me. So when he's talking about protecting borders and saying, Hey, like obviously Mexicans are racist and drug dealers and let's protect the borders from everywhere else. When the reality and the statistics show that American based white men for the most part are really the ones that cause the most damage. I agree to a point though, but yeah. I mean, I, I want to talk about this because I wanted to play. Like, imagine for a second that the people that were crossing the border were members of ISIS. Just, just yeah, for a second, sure. how quickly would they do? I mean, I, I don't. The wall's not going to stop everybody from crossing the border. That's not. No. Right. But if that meant slowing down people from crossing the border, yeah. how many Americans would support that? Well, I think I would say ninety percent. Well, I at think least seventy-four million. But ISIS isn't coming through the. I know, wall. but let me. Oh, wait, yeah. let me. Yeah. Here's my thought. Because you don't know who's coming through that wall. What if it's rapists? What if it's murders? What if it's sure. drug dealers? There's a there's large amounts of drugs that come across that but border. What, but with that, verdict, and I think yeah. those things are just as yeah, dangerous. But I, but yeah. I think but this is where think- support for Trump goes out the window for me. Because I think it's one thing to put resources into trying to stop bad people from coming into your country or trying to stop drugs. Although I don't know why you'd want to stop drugs, but the uh, <laughs> especially um, mushrooms. Yeah, like yeah. I mean, come on, <laughs> grow, grow up, right? The, uh, I, I, I think that when you're separating children from their parents and you're, yeah. it gets yeah. so out of control. And I would say I, that. I agree. I 100% agree with that. But I mean, the Obama administration has started that. I mean, everybody's no. so willing to paint Trump that, no, I was looking at this today and yeah. it was on political or yeah, political factor. Yeah, yeah. And Trump, the Trump administration was putting people in cages. Regardless, I mean... But they weren't separating children. Obama, Obama, yeah, Obama yeah. sorry, Obama. It's such a classic political move, though, just blame the last administration. Yeah, <laughs> but but, all, but also when it came that to life, they didn't stop it, right? They didn't stop yeah. it. Yes. I agree. Yes. Yes. I agree. If, if, I, be, if I became the president of the United about. States and the guy before me had put in a process that imprisoned children and separated from their families, and then it came to I'd light, I would immediately yeah. stop it, right? Yeah, yeah. I agree. And, There's, yeah. and I think I think at the end of the day, and I hate to... I'm not going to take the last word here, but we do got to wrap up because we're out of time. Um, so we'll give everybody a chance to kind of do their last word. I'm just going to say but what my quickly one is. I do think that Trump did a few things right. And I do think that the Biden administration would be well advised to look at what he did with China, look at what he did with Iran, look at what he did with North Korea, not follow that playbook, but don't rush to do, don't rush to undo everything that was done. Because I think if you, if you're really objective and you look at it and you're brave enough to be objective and look at it, you'll see good things. But I think that history will remember the Donald Trump experiment as a failure because of the, because something about Donald Trump makes people, and maybe they were good people, but it makes people go crazy. And I don't know what it is. And I think that the lasting effect in the United States and also in Canada has been a destruction of conservatism, right? Like to the point where people, and even if we say, oh, I'm a conservative, you open yourself up to so much criticism that people don't, people no longer care what a conservative value is because you say I'm conservative to more people than not. You're saying I'm racist. I'm homophobic. Mm-hmm. I think that's what's so dangerous. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah it's and, I think, to- and it's done, right? Okay. Last yeah. words. We'll let Zach go last. So, Jen, okay. what's your last words? <laughs> My last words are, oh, geez, I feel like there's so much to sum up here. But uh, <laughs> ultimately, not a Trump supporter. I think his character is dangerous. And I think it has perpetuated the uns- like the divisiveness in America. And I don't think he's done anything to try to unify that country. I think he's pandered to that divisiveness. And I think coming into Canadian politics, I think that's obviously a whole different conversation. But I do think that we have a lot of work to do here. And I think it's very easy for us to say, oh, we're, we're in Canada, we're different. And I think our issues are different. But I think we have a lot of work to do here as well. So I think it's, you know, privileged to say that we don't and that we're nice and that we don't have the same issues. And I think we do. They're just maybe a little bit different. Okay, perfect. Alyssa. 
I agree with some things you guys both said, but I definitely don't think that Trump and the United States as the leader of the free world should be really dabbling with North Korea, Russia, China. Like we should like, oh, I don't yeah, we think never even talked about Russia. Things. I don't even think <laughs> those are good things. So I, I mean, that's a whole other conversation we could have about how Trump, how that was good or objective. And hey, listeners, if you like this podcast, let us know. We'll I do another one. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Or, or listen, <laughs> Zach could start their own podcast. <laughs> Um, the equipment's too expensive zach (laughs) can we use your closet (laughs) they'll start their new podcast called fuck you um just and quickly i think trump being in power in the states has kind of made canada kind of reevaluate its position because of course i feel like there's definitely been more of a rift between canada and the u.s and i think it's for the best like i think you know because this the u.s has been such a shit show for the last four years i think Canada has been forced it's been mm-hmm. given that push to like force to be more independent to be more independent yep. to create our own identity to d- like the teenager moving out of the yeah, house to be an adult <laughs> we've been so dependent on the united states i yep. think in that respect it's really good um but that being said too i think democracy is under attack and i think we need to be very careful and i think media is making that worse i think the most important value in democracy is freedom of speech and being able to come together and discuss things and i think without that platform without a proper platform i think it's bound to be destroyed and be threatened for sure so parting advice is whatever you read fall like just follow the rabbit hole like just really research more yeah think critically and more importantly sit down and have conversations with people who have different views i just don't believe everything you read on the fucking internet like i think that's like 101 but i mean yeah all right all right zach you've got a minute (laughs) and a half to rescue donald trump's legacy agree with Liz more, but uh, I would like to say that anybody in the world who gets 95%, 95% bad press is going to be a hated person. I mean, I don't care who you are. If it's Biden, if Biden were to get 95% bad press, I'm sure it wouldn't look as good for him either. Or Army Hammer. At he this point he gets 5% good press. <laughs> yeah, <I'm concerned laughs> That surprises me. Yeah, he, 5% <laughs> I, I, of the people out there are like, I he's think, okay. I think it becomes so dangerous when yeah. you uh, it, people lack the fine middle ground, and there's no civil discourse. And when everything you consume is yeah. tailored to what you believe yeah, in the first I, place, I, I, people really need to seek out the independent sources, something that's going to give you a good. Or you can read the conservative news, and then you read the Democratic yeah. news, and, and then decide yourself where yeah. you lie on an issue. But sitting on one side or the other and just listening to that in one echo chamber, I think it is super dangerous and when it, like Liz said when it comes to freedom of speech and silencing people and I, well, I guess that's more my thought but I think that it's extremely dangerous and they need to tread very very carefully when it comes to who they're silencing because those people eventually turn on their own leaders because they have they they don't align I mean well, they already history. have yeah we've Trump seen said, that hey, we've seen that don't do anything and they're like oh fuck you we're gonna do it anyways <laughs> Just keep it short. I mean, the yeah. mayor of Portland, they had a hundred days of rioting, attacking federal court and that. And when he finally said, you guys need to stop, guess whose house they went to and started yeah. terrorizing yeah, exactly. the mayor's house. And yeah. he was supportive for a hundred days. Yeah. So like the moment you don't align with them anymore, the extreme groups, they turn on their own leaders. So what do you think it takes to create unity at this point in time? Because the world feels very divisive. That, I, that would have been a great question if we weren't out of time, Jen. <laughs> Yes, you can delete some shit. No, it's a lot of work to delete stuff, Jed. <laughs> well, I 
I guess you'll have to have him back. Yeah, yeah. I guess so. Yeah. I love this. Well, what, I love what, what was your question again? Oh, yeah, no, that was a big open-ended question. Anyway, yeah, that's a long... Yeah, yeah, we'll have, we'll have you again, depending on how the first 100 days of Biden goes. <laughs> I'll, I'll be here. Yeah, and, yeah, and you and Alyssa should consider yeah. starting a, this Fuck You podcast. It would be good. We don't need competition, David. And I guess I just want to say quickly, I don't think Biden is the greatest candidate. I really fucking do. Yeah. I think Kamala was the Kamala Harris might be the worst vice president. What? No. Oh my that. goodness. Oh my goodness. We're going to end oh, this on that because we sh- we should have started with that. <laughs> Okay, well, thanks, everybody. Uh, I'm going to let you guys fight about Kamala Harris on your own. And uh, thanks for listening, everybody. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Loose and Conversational podcast. Catch us every week at looseandconversational.com. You can reach us through the website or email directly at opq72 at looseandconversational.com. That's O as in hour, H as in hour, P as in pseudonym, E as in urn, U as in urn, K as in knob, E as in I, I as in I, W as in right, 72 at loosenconversational, spelt just like it sounds. Bye, everyone.